0: 3CR Fundraiser, Climate, Capitalism in the Future. Discussion and music, Saturday July the 23rd, 3 to 7pm. Black Spark, 235A, St George's Road, Northcote, number 11 tram will get you there, stop 30. Climate, Capitalism in the Future, July the 23rd, 3 to 7pm, 3CR Fundraiser.
1: Asia Pacific Currents.
0: Good morning, everyone. This is Pia Cheveri from Asia Pacific Currents, doing it alone this morning because unfortunately our team is really cut down by COVID unexpectedly. So first time that I've done this, so you're going to have to bear with me, folks, and hope that um, we get through the show together okay. So this morning, um, we've got an interview coming to you from... Um, Uh, Viras Disanyal who is a CFMEU delegate, a Victorian socialist and a Tamil Sri Lankan and he spoke to Giselle earlier about the situation panning out in Sri Lanka so we'll hear from him shortly but before that we're just going to go to some news. So first up in Australia for the third time this year we've had nurses and midwives from hospitals across New South Wales taking industrial action to improve extreme workloads and patient care as well as wages and conditions. And as stated by New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association member Jess, we're not walking off the job because we just want pay. We're advocating for our patients. That's our number one responsibility. We want to work in a safe environment with safe staffing and safe workloads. That's why we're arguing for the ratios. Nurses and midwives in unions have been using their power in numbers to make sure their concerns for their own safety and safety of patients do not go unheard. It is a massive feat for nurses and midwives across multiple New South Wales hospitals sorry New South Wales hospitals to strike at the same time. Union members know this is the most effective way to show how serious the situation is due to the inaction of the New South Wales Liberal Government. New South Wales healthcare workers need higher patient-to-staff ratios, and with the cost of living spike and their heroic efforts throughout the pandemic, they deserve a pay rise. Union members coming together to stand up for one another is how we make those demands a reality. In Myanmar um, now, Industrial Global Union and Industrial European Trade Unions are calling on the European Union to take stronger action against the military junta in Myanmar, including the withdrawal of everything but arms EBA trade preferences. The EU's EBA trade scheme provides Myanmar with beneficial trading tariffs in a blatant disregard of the EU Generalised Scheme of Preferences, the GSP own regulations which state that beneficiary countries must respect their principles of 15 core conventions on human and labour rights. Most trade unions in Myanmar are banned, union leaders have been arrested or are in hiding. The jobs facilitated by EBA are in no way decent jobs. Respecting fundamental labour standards and industrial affiliate, Industrial Workers' Federation of Myanmar, compares the conditions to modern slavery. Unfortunately, real human rights due diligence is simply not possible in these conditions. Shockingly, last month the regime announced its intention to execute political opponents. By maintaining the EBA arrangement, the EU is creating a situation where European companies stand to profit from gross human rights violations and European citizens may unwittingly support the regime by buying products made in Myanmar under these terrible conditions." Okay, over to Pakistan. According to industrial affiliates in Pakistan, as of 7th July, there had been around 60 accidents in the country's mines, killing more than 90 workers and severely injuring around 40. Workers are killed by underground explosions, methane gas poisoning, suffocation of mine walls collapsing due to lax safety procedures and the unavailability of the first line of treatment at mining sites. Since several mines in the country are unlicensed and illegally run, few miners are covered by national laws governing the health, safety and welfare of mining and quarrying employees. This makes it difficult for injured workers or deceased workers' families to claim compensation in case of accident. The inadequate compensation and the absence of government department inspection of mines act as an incentive for employers to forego investing in safety infrastructure in mines as mandated under the law. Nine coal miners, including a 12-year-old boy, were killed on 6 July after rains inundated Pakistan's Sindh province's coal mine. The rainwater had accumulated 50 to 60 feet inside the mine when about 40 workers were engaged in mining work. Despite heavy rainfall causing havoc throughout the country, coal mining has continued in Pakistan, worsening already bad working conditions, surging food and fuel prices force miners to continue working in such hazardous conditions, unfortunately. There is also an increased pressure on miners in Pakistan to increase output, as the country is facing an energy crisis due to a shortage of foreign reserves to purchase natural gas or oil from the international market to run its power plants. Instead, Pakistan has to rely on domestic coal production and coal imports. Apoorva Kaiwa, Industrial South Asia Regional Secretary, says, "...the working conditions in mining sites in Pakistan are appalling. Employers must ensure that safety protocols are implemented in mines." Industrial calls upon the Government of Pakistan to ratify the ILO Safety and Health in Mines Convention 176 and stop the killing of mine workers. Over to New Zealand. The International Labour Organisation, ILO, has given its support to New Zealand's proposed Fair Pay Agreements, FPA, after Business New Zealand raised the matter to the agency, claiming it contravenes ILO Convention 98 or the right to organise and collective bargaining convention. The ILO's Committee on the Application of Standards has not found the FPAs to be breaching international labour laws. Instead, it urged the government to continue to consult partners on the proposed legislation, according to Workplace Relations and Safety Minister Michael Wood. The business in New Zealand complaint to the ILO has completely failed. Their request for the, to the ILO to condemn FPAs has been rejected and there was little international support for their hyperbolic claims, said Wood in a statement. Unions also welcomed the ILO's decision to back the FPAs with Public Services Association's National Secretary Kerry Davies saying that they hope it will make Business New Zealand work on the proposed proposal constructively. Um, from a global perspective, the International Trade Union Confederation, (ITUC) is calling for a new social contract for recovery and resilience. The global economic, economic model has failed working people. The power and greed of huge global corporations have captured governments which are acting against the rights and security of their own workers. In global supplies, 94% of the global workforce is a hidden workforce where the obscurity of business contracts facilitates exploitation and oppression. The world is three times richer than 20 years ago, yet 70% of people are denied universal social protection, 84% Of people say the minimum wage is not enough to live on and 81% of countries have allowed violations of the right to collectively bargain. This is inequality by design. It's time for a new social contract between workers, government and business which should include a floor of a universal labour guarantee for all workers. Implementing a new social contract would make sure that the rights are respected, jobs are decent with minimum living wages and collective bargaining. Social protection is a universal due diligence and accountability, a driving business operation. Sorry, I bungled that one a little bit. And the social dialogue ensures that just transition measures for climate change and technology would be in place. Okay, we think we're going to go to a break now just before we get into the interview. So we're just going to pause for a
2: break. Thanks. No crime, no time. Fix Victoria's bail laws now.
1: Prisons are bursting at the seams with poor people. Istra Melbourne is calling on the Victorian government to release unsentenced people on remand from Victorian prisons. First Nations people are 3% of the population yet represent 29% of the general prison population.
2: 89% of First Nations women entering prison are unsentenced.
1: ISTRA Melbourne is asking you to sign the No Crime, No Time petition,
2: which can be found on ISTRA Melbourne's Facebook page.
1: Indigenous Social Justice Association Melbourne is a 3CR supporter.
2: If we go to war with China, there'll be no more flags for Australia Day. No more flags for Australia Day. No more flags for Invasion Day.
0: Uprise Radio and Stick Together, 3CR fundraiser. Climate, capitalism and the future. Discussion and music. Saturday, July the 23rd, 3 to 7pm, Black Spark, 235A, St George's Road, Northcote, number 11 tram will get you there, stop 30. Climate, capitalism and the future, July the 23rd, 3 to 7pm, 3CR Fundraiser. Okay, great. We're back on and about to go into that interview that um, Giselle conducted with Viras Dissan-Yale. And, Yale. and um, just to remind you what I said when we started the interview, when we started the show, um, Viras is a CFMEU delegate, a Victorian socialist and a Tamil Sri Lankan. And he has had a conversation with Giselle to um, elaborate on the situation in Sri Lanka.
1: In the last 24 hours, Rajapaksha has confirmed his resignation, his his resignation has become official and Vikramasinghe has been sworn in as the interim president. Vikramasinghe has vowed to restore law and order and issued an immediate curfew, which has pretty much been ignored um, while Sri Lankans celebrate in the streets. Viraj, can you catch us up on the last two to three days in Sri Lanka?
2: Ah uh, yes uh first uh, thanks for having me there so uh what's really happening so that two weeks ago uh the protesters uh escalating their protest uh which was starting uh from april and uh, most of the protesters um, collectively decide to go and uh occupy uh the very important uh, places in Colombo, starting from the presidential secretariat, which was next to the protest site, and then the president's house, and then the pr- prime minister's official residence. And then uh, by uh, so Sunday, uh, our uh, speaker officially announced that president. Uh, ready to resign, but he needs some time, and he's going to resign on uh, on the 9th, I think, or, of June. And then uh, that way the protesters keep occupying the places, but it didn't happen. And without uh, formally informing uh, President i escaped to Mali, uh, in an illegal way, using the Sri Lankan Air Force uh, uh, carrier, uh, and then from there to uh, Singapore. And uh, so, finally, uh, two days ago, he sent the resignation letter. But before that, he appointed Prime Minister Ranil Vikramazina as the acting prime minister, acting president. So now he's the acting president, and uh, people don't want him. People now uh, saying we're going to keep protesting until we chase away Ryan Vikramasinghe. So so the options now, like uh, parliament need to meet soon, and in the parliament, people need uh, 225 MPs going to choose someone as the president, but... Seems like that's not what most protest- protesters want because they don't trust on uh, the existing parliament. They believe the majority of the parliament like supporting Rajapaksa regime, so they they uh, want more democratic way to change the leadership there.
1: Well, there is a lot of stock being put into this idea of a new government, but the big question on the lips of many of us, many of us Marxists, many of us activists, what is preventing this movement from developing into a revolution? I mean, what you described, which was everybody is lacking faith and confidence in this parliament because of its ties to the Rajapaksha family and that dynasty, Um, What? Is what is preventing this movement from developing the social power to overthrow capitalism?
2: Uh, it's the, if we go from a very simple answer is we don't have that revolutionary frontline party to lead that protest that, that's the, one of the most uh, uh, important fact there and unfortunately, we uh, there's no leadership for the for the revolution so here i want to give some credit to the role role doing by the frontline socialist party it is not sufficient for a revolution it is not sufficient for a uh, for a whole change of the system uh, but since april there was some leadership and some organizers happening by frontline socialists and few other independent uh, unions. But that's not enough. Uh, So-called progressives or the radicals, like clearly divided into few groups and with few agendas, like as uh, some of you know, the biggest left party in Sri Lanka, JVP, in my opinion, like uh, pushing into more parliamentarian politics and they were para, they were supporting parallel to the whole protest but expecting to make their electoral campaign bigger. So that is the biggest lack was there.
1: Sri Lanka is made up of some manufacturing but overwhelmingly agricultural workers, plantation workers in tea, rubber, rice, this kind of industry... Do you think agricultural workers have the social power to build this movement towards a revolutionary trend or do you think it really needs to come from manufacturing?
2: Uh, In my opinion, uh, plantation workers have that power as one of the main income they bring into the country and these plantation workers are like uh, like working in every section everywhere of the country except north and east uh, uh but the problem is um after nineteen sixties there were no uh no like proper trade union organizing in these sectors. What I mean there are enough unions, but they all the, all these union bosses are parliamentarian, so I think it's giving you uh uh, uh a picture how it's worked like these people like dividing themselves by temil so by single by, by up country or so but those things and uh all the like the trade unions not um, taking people outside box thinking they they just doing a uh, few uh, sort of like making deals with the um, parliament politics, or, may, or normally the main two parties. Um, I read then I heard in 67, up to 60s there were power. So at the moment, so I don't think that is the power that we can change this to revolution. But after two decades, we uh, saw a couple of times in these protests like... Uh, in Sri Lanka, the political parties and even middle class, the intellectual, so-called progressive, uh, uh, ignored the trade unionism for decades. But last two months, it's true at least three, four times how powerful we can be when we organize through the trade union. One of the most inspiring things for me in the whole protest, on 9th of May, uh, Prime Minister Rajapaksa, thugs trying to attack the protesters um, after a few weeks of peaceful protest. So these thugs were, got like drunk with Prime Minister's residence and come attacked. There are some videos, that's one of the most inspiring, the whole workplace you know, workforce in Colombo, including the health workers, including teachers, including port workers, including some of the like, um, the Telecommunication, all industries, and all workers coming together and coming to protect the protest. So this was not something coordinated by the uh, trade unions, but like workers by themselves, collectively, uh, like organized and come and help these protesters.
1: Well, you've. yeah. Well, you've just hit on what I want to discuss next, which is one thing we have noticed is the absolute lack of trade union coordination, even though there were the three general strikes which were incredibly inspiring, there still seems to be a lack of trade union coordination, lack of a development of a joint strategy. Um, And in my view anyway, this is preventing the movement from going forward. What, in your opinion, is preventing the union movement from sitting down together and discussing a unified strategy?
2: It is an ongoing problem in Sri Lanka. I'm, I'm guessing since 19, 1980, that was our last general strike. Since 1980, the union movement, like badly divided by the racism. In 20 sorry 2008, when uh, electrical workers went on strike, they shut down the whole country, and the uh, JVP with their leadership in that union like publicly announced this is not the time to strike we need to stop all the strikes and support the government to finish the war in another way to kill thousands of Tamils. so with what's happening in in sri lanka is the trade unions like badly divided by racism they more like addressing the single buddhist workers in southern Sri Lanka. That's why, as I said to you before, the plantation workers have their own Tamil unions, and the southern have the unions that minimum Tamil membership. But if I go to your question, yes, it is a hard one to organize, but we need to understand when the protest first started it was a political movement, especially young activists like rejecting all existing politics. But someone needs to take this risk and challenge people. Shilon Teachers Union did that. Shilon Teachers Union was the first union to march the protest with thousands of teachers with their banner first time. And they were expect like, they were like welcoming very well because as you know, a few months ago they just won a um, significant win their uh, strike and lots of teachers got really good, like, Pay increase, so the thousands of teachers from Colombo go to uh, uh march to the protest and then after that law teachers union start working with uh, mainly frontline social list party unions, and they come together with the union collective and then the next stage was they start talking with the uh, jvp affiliated union collective so there were some progressive states they took, and there were a few coordinated general strikes. But then again, some of these trade union leaders have some parliamentarian dream. For example, like, like I said to you, on 9th of May, after attack from the government, when the whole protesters and the whole population organizing uh, this newly, um, newly uh, formed, a union collective including Ceylon Teachers Union and the JVP Union called for a general strike or we call a Hartal in Sri Lanka, Hartal in Asia. And then after a few hours, JVP, even without consulting the other session, they called back the strike. That was one of the most uh, important points we missed, in my opinion.
1: So where to from here, um, Viraj? Uh, Ranil Wickramasinghe, who's widely despised in Sri Lanka, is now the interim president. How will the people respond from here? What's your prediction for how things will unfold in the coming days and weeks?
2: I mean, what we can see, the majority of the people who believe the protest, who, like, change the country's history ignore the so ignore the legal system or so called the way that changing the system, ignore the constitution, chase away one of the most powerful presidents. So this is a very significant moment. But then after that I believe people still want some significant change, including running the Singer to go. But how the um, how the political um ideology work in that country the some elements of the protest uh, of the protest were fully helping to the protesters now being changed for example basl so the by association of sri lanka uh, played a significant progressive role in last couple of weeks now suddenly uh, putting a press conference saying uh, if you damage in the public property, if you occupy in the public po- uh, property, we are not going to uh, stand with you anymore. We are not going to uh, support you at the legal cases, which very problematic for me because this BASL official has a really good relationship with Ranil Vikramasinghe and they were part of Ranil's government. It's showing you, sir, the people who are making these ideologies change, especially there are some people in Sri Lanka, they're the one normally talking to the Western media, some of the, like, prominent NGO activists. We can see last week suddenly their position changed. We need to uh, protect this constitution. We need to protect the um, law and order. Uh, if you go through, uh, if you want to break the parliament, if you want to break the constitution, you you can't win anything. You need to listen to Ranil. Ranil know how to do international thing. He's the best friend of West. So this sort of like demoralized or trying to divide. Again, you can see the lack of the left who can step up and say, "Now nah, this is rubbish," and to argue, there were no no political confidence from the left. Unfortunately, because of that so-called liberal, like democratic um, ideology can come up and like demoralize. That's my uh, like opinion and also the lack of addressing or lack of inviting Tamils to join the protest. That's the two main things I think.
1: Viraj, thank you so much for your time on the program this morning. Obviously, it's an unfolding situation and we will be continuing to cover the situation in Sri Lanka on Asia-Pacific Currents. Was there anything you wanted to add?
2: Uh, yeah, the thing I wanted always wanted to add, like when it's come to solidarity, it's not... I don't want a Sri Lankan people come together the same way they came here To support the Rajapaksa regime to kill Tamils in 2009, or the majority of Sinhalese uh, gathering in Melbourne, same as they did in 2018, and uh, spreading Islamophobic when the Easter attacks happened. But I want the people who who live here who are interested in Sri Lanka, especially Sri Lankan diaspora. I want them to start working there. With their Tamil brothers and sisters, I want them to work with the uh, trade unions. Here. I want them to work the, with the progressive and left and the socialists, and then build something. We can put pressure to the Australian government to put some pressure on uh, Austra- uh, Sri Lankan government, not just sending money or waving that racist national flag.
0: Okay, there you have it, Giselle interviewing Verastis and Yale who gave us an update on the situation in Sri Lanka and as I said earlier, Varas is a CFMEU delegate, Victorian socialist and a Tamil Sri Lankan. So thanks everyone for bearing with me this morning. It's been a real baptism of fire. First time you've had to do the show with just me and I hope you've all gotten through it with me and I'm going to go have coffee now and relax. Thanks everyone. um...